Calgary Next is powered by Calgary Economic Development. Calgary is the place where bright minds and big ideas come together with an unmatched spirit to help solve global challenges. Today is a special show for us. It's our 100th episode. Yeehaw. And a special show. That's right, Yeehaw. We got the real guy who could say Yeehaw the right way. And a very special show deserves an extra special guest. Mr. Paul Brandt is in with us this morning. Give us your Yeehaw. Well, it's not going to be as good as Yahoo. <laughs> yeehaw. Yeah, there you go. See? <laughs> and Paul's the most awarded male Canadian country artist in history. I remember when I was working on a show, this is years back, called The Movie Show, when Paul released his first album in 1996, and he came into the studio. You were 10 years old. Yeah, yeah. thank you. Thank you, David. <laughs> he came into the studio to perform, and we were doing an interview, and he came in with just him and his guitar, mm. and sat on a chair with his guitar, and I felt like I was being serenaded, <laughs> and we, everybody in the studio was blown away with his voice and just how amazing... We knew that a superstar was was oh. born at that point, but it was pretty it was pretty cool to be able to see you rising uh, throughout, you know, from the very beginning of your career oh, throughout. Thanks. But from from that album, "Calm Before the Storm," went gold, and then ended up selling a million albums internationally. And then since then, he's put out 12 albums, won numerous awards, including multiple album of the year awards, hit singles, gold, platinum, multi-platinum performances. The list goes on and on. And Paul's also been recognized for his humanitarian work with Queen's Diamond and Platinum Jubilee Awards, numerous other national and regional humanitarian awards. You know, we'd be here all morning. This gets awkward after a while. I know. That's (laughs) just it. I was just going to say we'd be here forever if we were going to list all his awards so uh we'll get to you how about you tell us about your exciting life i listen i listen to this and and um it just it's it's been such an incredible blur like i Mm. you know you take me back to that 95 96 era and and uh, how quickly everything happened i was working at the alberta children's hospital i was a registered nurse there and Mm -hmm. and um had been there for a couple of years and my dream job was to work in icu that's what I really wanted to do. I wanted to do the flight nursing and do the, you know, the STARS air ambulance. And, and my father's a paramedic. My mother's a registered nurse. It was all in the family. I got the dream job offer to work there, and I got a record deal offer in the same week. And I came home from work. I was still mooching off my parents, you know, yeah. living at home, and, and dad sitting on the couch. And there was this... Um, there was this funny, like just a strange look on his face. He's like, there's a message on the phone. So I pick it up and, and I hear this, this Southern accent. Hey, my name's Paige Levy. I'm with Warner Reprise Nashville. I heard your demo and I think you're real good. I want to come up and hear you and your band play. You give me a call. I knew Paige's name because she had signed Dwight Yoakam to the record company. And I was a huge Dwight fan, still am. Mm-hmm. And so I called her up, said, absolutely. You know, come on up and hear me and my band play. And then I, I hung up the phone, picked it up, and I called Neil McGonigal. Neil was managing Jan Arden at the time. Right. And Neil let me hang out in his office. I didn't grow up listening to any music but gospel music. And so Neil would let me hang out in his office and listen to the good old stuff, everything. Like he had an incredible record collection and he knew I was interested in music and he would just kind of let me dive in. Right. And uh, so I called Neil. I'm like, dude, you have to help me put a band together. I didn't have a band. Like they're coming up to hear me and my band. And, uh, and so we did, we put a little band together, played, uh, the Longhorn here in, in Calgary way back when, not there right. anymore. I remember that. And, um, and we signed a record deal that week and it just took off 180 shows a year traveling all over the world. And uh, here we are 26 years later. 
And you're just starting a tour, gonna, yeah. an upcoming tour with Terry Clark. Can't wait. You know, Terry started right around the same time, uh, 1995. So, yeah. So, yeah. so let's, uh, I want to set the record straight about one thing. I grew up in Israel in the 60s. Ah, yeah. Country music wasn't big, to say the least. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it's big today. I would imagine. <laughs> but, <laughs> well, they got all those vineyards. There's farmers there. Gone. Yeah. <laughs> different music, though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> When I came here to Calgary, when we immigrated to Calgary and to Western Canada, I was amazed how big this industry is. Mm. And sometimes I'm still amazed. And how, how big is this industry, whether it's in, you know, in North America or globally? Yeah, it's interesting. It, it, when we were at the height of, of doing the work that we were doing with the label, right after um, the Wantara you're talking about, Comp Before the Storm, mm-hmm. it was about a $20 billion a year industry. And, and um, it was interesting because what, what ended up happening is at the advent of the MP3 and the digitization of music, we saw it go from $20 billion to about $2 billion almost Mm. overnight. And there was a huge shift. The music business has always kind of been a... Uh, a challenging um, entrepreneurial pursuit. You never know how it's going to go. Um, but all of a sudden, everything went sideways in the music business. I remember talking to the head of the record company and saying, what's our digital strategy? Because I was into all of that. Like I was in, you know, as a young guy, I was into the technology and everything. And, and uh, he said, the MP3 is a passing fad. He said, it's like the CB radio. It'll be here today and gone tomorrow. You mark my words. And I'm thinking, we are so screwed. (laughs) Like, this is not good, you know. And the whole industry got turned over. Mm -hmm. Um, But the thing that I tried to stay focused on is, I remember being at the Bluebird Cafe. My father and I uh, took a trip to Memphis as a part of a talent competition. And we drove up the music highway from Memphis um, after we went to Graceland and saw Elvis's green shag carpet and all that stuff. And we went to the Bluebird Cafe, singer-songwriter, beautiful venue. Um, and their, their um, slogan is, shh, you have to be quiet and listen. And there was a woman there who was a songwriter that was performing. And she just made this connection through her music. Um, I don't remember her name. I don't remember the song. But I remember she was speaking directly to me. And I wanted to recreate that. So when the industry went sideways, I thought to myself, I can still do this. I can still show up and play people's songs and move their hearts. And, um, and that's how we continue to kind of push through all of that. Um, you say you still can perform, and my boss, Tara, wants to know more about the, the tour coming yeah. with, with, <laughs> with Terry Clark, which for me is, by the way, who is Terry Clark? Sure, sure. Well, yeah. But what, what should we expect when Tara and Kevin take Zora and me to the concert? Right. Because we've never been to a country <laughs> well, uh, concert. This this won't be the big extravaganza kind of thing. We, we just did that in um, 2019, and we did uh, arenas across the country here in, in Canada. Um, this is going to be more intimate theaters, just me and Terry on stage at the same time, telling stories, uh, sometimes trying to mess each other up, just having, <laughs> having a good time and, uh, and, and just throwing songs back and forth, maybe singing together and uh, really involving the audience. That's a big part of it, too. So it's interactive. Do you do you encourage? Like, how are you? How are you getting interactive with the audience? I want to oh, know that because David's got to prepare. It, uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's gonna. He's got that good baritone voice. We need him up there. True. I have cowboy boots. Perfect. <laughs> and I have a hat. I'll Perfect. be there. Okay. I'll be looking for you. We'll we'll make something out of that. <laughs> Be my guest. <laughs> Do you remember that first time that you heard yourself on the radio? Yeah. 
What, tell me about that experience. I was driving on 16th Avenue and I was headed, uh, I lived over in the Vista Heights area and um, I was driving up uh, 16th from Deerfoot and I heard my song Calm Before the Storm. Uh, it was a part of a, um, there's a talent competition that Country 105 was doing. And if you win the comp contest, you get a $5,000 recording uh, budget. And I recorded Calm Before the Storm. And then they put it on a compilation CD with uh, MCA Records. And it got airplay across the country. It was the first time I heard myself on the radio. And I'm looking at this thing. It's got like, um, oh, it had uh, uh, George Strait and Winona and Trisha Yearwood on this compilation <laughs> disc. And yeah. Paul Brandt, Calm Before the Storm. No label, right? And, uh, and I heard it come over the radio and I had to pull over. I mean, it's just the weirdest feeling ever to know that all that work and everything that you'd put into it and your heart and soul and the song mm -hmm. uh, that so many people are hearing it. It's were you amazing. by yourself? Yeah, or you, I was. Oh, I so was. So nobody saw, nobody saw you tearing up. Nah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, now there would have been a, a camera set up in the, that's right. in the car to show Yeah, I would have crying. posted it on TikTok yes. or something. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. I can't believe this is my song. Yeah. <laughs> so just before we only have, uh, you know, 30 seconds or so before we hit the break, let people know how they can find out more about your yeah. upcoming tour. Yeah, just go to paulbrandt.com um, and click on the tour link there and you'll see all of the different dates. We're going to be starting uh, November 1st and 2nd and going until December 2nd at mm. least. Okay. Um, and I uh, can't wait. I, I hope we'll get a chance to see you there. Tickets are selling fast. It's been, it's going to be an, an amazing show. We're so where really is that in Calgary? Which Jubilee. Jubilee. Oh, Jubilee. Jubilee. We're doing okay. two nights at the Jubilee and, and uh, yeah, I, I, I love playing that venue. Yeah. So oh, much fun. Yeah, it's nice and there. Our guest this morning is Paul Brandt, award-winning Canadian musician and humanitarian. Following the uh, commercial, we'll talk about your foundation you. and, and the real job that you do. Sure. And we'll take a commercial break. Calgary Next is powered by Calgary Economic Development. Calgary is the place where bright minds and big ideas come together with an unmatched spirit to help solve global challenges. Calgary Next is powered by Calgary Economic Development. Calgary is the place where bright minds and big ideas come together with an unmatched spirit to help solve global challenges. We're back on Calgary Next and we need to make sure that we mention our sponsors. Calgary Economic Development has been with us since the beginning and we really appreciate their support. All right, Paul Brandt is with us this morning, award-winning Canadian musician and humanitarian, and we want to focus on the humanitarian side of things. Um, Not In My City is an initiative that, that you are 100% behind. Just let people know what that yeah, is. Yeah, for sure. Back in 2017, we started Not In My City, and since then we've been um, disrupting and combating child sexual exploitation and, and human trafficking, especially related to children. Mm -hmm. um, we learned about this, my wife and I, probably um, 17, 18 years ago we were we were doing a lot of touring we had come off of about three years of 180 shows a year we were traveling all over the world and um we had a pretty busy year um liz loves um she loves uh like crime documentaries that kind mm -hmm. of stuff she's really into that we were watching dateline nbc and there was a an undercover um operation where they were going to rescue kids that were being trafficked um and that we were fe they were featuring on dateline we couldn't believe what we were seeing this was um This would have been uh, in Southeast Asia, in Cambodia. 
the fact that this was even there was even a demand for this was not even on our radar. Mm. And um, the issue with trafficking um, and and these uh, these child brothels in Cambodia at that time is under Cambodian law. These children were seen as owned property. So even though they got them out of the situation that they were in, the judge was going to say you have to take them back because the brothel owners own them. It was just shocking Awful. to us, right? And yeah. so we learned about this, kind of tucked that into our hats and, and took that with us. And about uh, a week or two later, a humanitarian organization approached me and Liz and asked if we would go to one of 90 countries around the world to see the work that they were doing. And we got to pick wherever we wanted to go. We picked Cambodia to learn more. Mm. And what we saw there changed our lives forever. We saw a group that was working on behalf of kids that were being sold. And they would take them out for the day and pay the rate that someone would have paid to use this child for the day and take them to a safe location and just let them be kids. And at the end of the day, though, they had to take them back. And that was shattering. It was shattering for us. It was shattering for Liz. Um, you know, she shares her story and, and her history with um, uh, a history of abuse as well. And it was a PTSD type moment for her where she mm. um, really struggled. And we knew that trafficking had made a dent in our lives at that moment. And uh, I want to tell you, there was an aha moment for me. That, that really pulled me into all of the work that we're doing right now. Um, we went back, I went back to that area um, where that documentary was filmed. And it was one of the darkest places that I've ever been. If you're listening right now and you have any kind of a history with abuse or anything like that, this is, this is triggering stuff. Uh, and I think it's important for you to know that. Um, on one side of the street, there was a warehouse where um, these organized crime members would, would drug kids and they would stack them on top of each other during the day to force them to sleep. At night, they would give them amphetamines and take them off to work in brothels. Uh, on the other side of the street, uh, this California-based businessman who was doing all of this was building a three-story sex destination hotel to exploit the youngest of kids in a very systematic and machine-like way. It was just, it was horrible. Mm. And when he saw us working in that area, he got nervous. And so he decided that he would pick up and move somewhere else. And he put the building on the market. So the group I was with, we pooled our resources and we purchased it. And we turned it into a, a church and a health clinic and a school with mm -hmm. the idea that this place would be able to um, educate young Cambodian minds to affect change for their nation someday. And I went back four years later, that whole place had changed. The warehouse had been torn down. It was a place of life. There was a pride of community. Um, kids were playing in the streets and, and being educated. And it had moved on to somewhere else. But what I started to learn during that time is that this is one of the fastest growing crimes in Canada right now. I've met kids that were six, seven years old when they were first trafficked here in Canada, here in Alberta. Um, and uh, it's $180 billion a year industry. Uh, traffickers make an average of $280,000 per year per victim here in Canada. And uh, the average age of being trafficked in Canada has just slightly been lowered to about 12 years old. And, um, I, you know, I met a little girl on that street in Cambodia who's five. She was being sold six to eight times a night. Oh. And I thought to myself, what am I going to teach my son about how to respect and interact with women? And, and then I thought, what, how am I going to answer my daughter when she asks me, Daddy, what did you do about this when you saw it? I, I want to give her a good answer. And that's really where Not In My City came from, you know. And so it, you can learn more about it at notinmycity.ca. It's a very important issue to educate ourselves on. And there are things we can do about it to make it more hopeful for sure. 
Um, the other front, the other uh, aspect of uh, work you do is uh, love, love thy neighbor. Mm, very much. And uh, you know, coming from Israel, I was fascinating when I uh, fascinated when I uh, read uh, on your uh, website uh, following Jesus' example mm. and fi- Jesus' uh, footstep. So we are going together in 2024 to Israel Let's in go. October. Let's We're go. going to do a big delegation. <laughs> Paul Brandt, Tara McCool, and David Wallach oh, leading to Israel. Let's I'm go. In. The I'm three in. Musketeers. Let Let's talk about that uh, foundation. Yeah. So the Buck. Spring Foundation um, is the foundation that is the basically the parent foundation that Liz and I started um, that uh, Not In My City is an initiative of. And the Buck Spring Foundation, um, I think people who have, you know, who have the, um, a background in the Christian faith would understand the concepts of Great Commission, Great Commandment. But if you're not a Christian, um, the, uh, the way that I think that people can access this idea of the Buck Spring Foundation is um, helping neighbors to help neighbors. And uh, one way that we've done that through the Buck Spring Foundation has been during the floods. That was one of our first big projects. Um, we did work connecting communities and bringing them together um, to help each other. Uh, we brought um, members of the community at Morley, First Nation, um, Stony Nakoda to High River, and we worked together to mud out basements there and, and had an amazing connection moment there. Um, we, uh, we did a project called um, Build It Forward, where um, we identified families at risk of homelessness, and we asked them if they would go to a developing country and build homes with us. So we went mm-hmm. to Haiti, and we went to areas in Mexico. And then when we returned, we built them homes here in Calgary and in, and in Cochrane. Um, fire relief, you know, flood relief, earthquake relief, all of those types of things have taken us all around the world. And right now, I would say our primary focus is uh, the work that we're doing with Not In My City. And, uh, and finding ways to find people who have had difficult situations and connecting them with others that are dealing with those similar things. There's a power that comes from that when, um, like Liz has found with her background um, of uh, being an abuse survivor, Mm -hmm. when she uses that to help other abuse survivors, there's something amazingly redeeming that happens there. And and, uh, so that's been a big focus of of our foundation. Do, do you see more celebrities kind of getting involved in uh, humanitarian and, and support and, and community work? I think when you p- present anybody an opportunity to do something um, that's going to be good and life-changing, uh, they tend to want to be able to be a part of that. The celebrity thing I find challenging, especially with trafficking survivors, um, they'll call you on your BS as quick as anyone else will. Um, I think that people, people who have had an experience with trauma are really good at reading other people because they're mm-hmm. protecting themselves. And so when they see a guy in a cowboy hat coming to you know, assist in the work to fight trafficking, um, they're thinking celebrity on a soapbox. And um, one of the things that um, I've tried to do in this work is gauge the success based on what the survivors and victims are telling me. I had the opportunity to, um, to chair uh, the premier-appointed uh, Human Trafficking Task Force over, over COVID, really, mm-hmm. uh, for 20 months. We saw over almost 100 presentations, and we, we turned in 18, uh, 19 recommendations. 18 of them were accepted, and now $22.8 million has been um, um, put forward by the government for the next four years to fight trafficking. Um, when I turned in the report that we wrote, um, my gauge for success as a celebrity was my phone blew up and it was survivors who said, we feel like we've finally been heard. Mm. And to me, that's what it's about. And uh, so, yeah, we would welcome anyone with a platform to come and be a part of the solution. Absolutely. Um, because uh, there are things we can do to, to disrupt human trafficking and make it harder for the traffickers to do this business that they're doing. So we have about... 
30 seconds oh, left, okay. Paul. Uh, but you have, obviously, you're very action-oriented. So something comes into your brain and you don't just sit on it. You are taking action. So how do you inspire other people who maybe are thinking, I, I want to do something about human trafficking or yeah. I want to do something to help build communities? How do you move from idea to action? Well, I think that, you know, checking out, especially with the work we're doing right now, notinmycity.ca, we're just about to kick off our Seeing Yellow campaign where we invite all businesses to use the color yellow to amplify the issue of human trafficking and the need that's there. We have a lot of great events that you can be a part of, starting at Dean House coming up here on uh, on June 10th. Um, Then we have a July 28th event on the rooftop of Marriott where we'll light up the Calgary Tower and Mm -hmm. Spark and the Reconciliation Bridge in Not In My City Yellow, and we have a race car event. We're launching the Not In My City race car in Osoyoos at uh, Area 27 in the race against human trafficking. These are all things that you can be a part of, and you can check out more at notinmycity.ca. Paul Brandt, thank you so much. Thank you. Calgary Next is powered by Calgary Economic Development. Calgary is the place where bright minds and big ideas come together with an unmatched spirit to help solve global challenges.